Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Connection. We're talking about connection. There are seven of them that are on the screen right now. Christ, church, relationship, purpose, power, leadership, Holy Spirit. Those are the seven vital connecting points to every person's life. If you find these seven functioning in health in your life, you will be a more balanced person, have more fruit, and have more destiny that you can live through. If you know how to connect to Christ... That's the first, a living, vital, real, personal, life-changing heart connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. With that comes forgiveness. With that comes a new life. With that comes shutting the door to the past. With that comes the ability with a new heart to forgive other people and to allow people to get out of the prisons you have built for them so that you can go on and live life the way you should. Finding Christ is the first vital connection to all of our life and Continue to walk in Him. Church is the second connection. To relate to the church means you understand the people of God, why it's so important, how to connect to the church. A living, vital relationship means you're part of the body of Christ. You connect. Every joint supplies. You have a kind of relationship that you bring something to the table so you can strengthen the house. You own the vision. And then third, let's talk about relational connection. Relationship connection. Ephesians 2 Verse 21 and 22 in your Bible, if you like to mark it. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you, 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 also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit, in whom the whole building, every piece of the building, needs to be fitted together that happens, a supernatural thing goes on. The building, metaphor used here, grows into a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We establish a place out of relationship where God's Spirit can actually do more work and be more powerful in our midst. Relationship connection would look something like this. Making a vital relationship connection to those whom God has placed in my life. And over my life. Those whom I partner with. On biblical principles. Kingdom purposes. And building lifelong relationships. Making a vital relational connection to those whom God has placed in my life. In my life. And God has also placed some people over my life. And the people God has placed in and over my life, I should partner with. And I should partner with them based on biblical principle and kingdom purposes. Building what we call lifelong relationships. Do you know whom God has put into your life? Do you have a clear connection to those God has put over your life? Do you have a partnership with people that is growing in such a way that you would say, these are the people I am connected to? These are the people that I am growing with? These are the people that God has given me. 
people I'm connected to, I've been connected to for 30 to 35 to 40 years. Lifelong relationships. Those I started in Bible college. Those I've ministered with in church. Those I've established not on staff, but friends in the church that have been lifelong partners. People that are always there. People that understand me, I understand them. People that are connected because we are in partnership for the same purpose, the kingdom of God. And our life is based on those principles. I know whom God has joined me to. I know whom God has put over me. Now, when that happened, connection is simply this. Relationally. Find that a place where you never do life alone. Never do life alone. Are you doing life alone? Not good. If you're doing life alone, you're missing the fullness of the kingdom of God. You should never do life alone. How about drawing the circle of relationships larger and not smaller every day of your life? Drawing that circle a little larger. Mother Teresa, when she was asked, what's the number one problem you see with the human race? She immediately responded, people draw the circle of their love too small. Enlarge the circle of your love. Enlarge the circle of your friends. Enlarge the circle of the people that you can connect to and be a vital inspiration into their life as they can be into your life. Also, committing my life to be built together with other believers in strong godly relationships is a commitment. It's a decision. It's one that I cross over and make. If I do those things right there, I understand, okay, God's at work in me. God's going to place me with people. God is going to place some people over me. God is going to make a way for me to enlarge my circle. These are the words that would describe your life. Safety. The more healthy relationships you have, you dwell in safety. You have fellowship, encouragement, increased faith, new friends, other viewpoints, teamwork, joy, unity, added resources, accountability, pastoral care, life-changing things begin to happen. And what is necessary for your life gets built into your life. Those are some words that would describe a person who has a lot of healthy relationships. They're dwelling in the midst of those words. They're not lacking those words. They're not living at risk. They're not living with depression. They're not living with no accountability. They're not living with lack. They're not living with no other viewpoint ever in their mind, only what they think. Those kind of people will have a lack on their life if you live without God-placed relationships. You won't have the viewpoints you need. You won't have the accountability you need. You won't have the resources you need. You won't have the kind of joy that needs to come into your life through relationships. Francis Schaeffer, whom I believe was one of the greatest philosophers and slash theologians and writers, is now in heaven. But I did meet this man, and he was an awesome thinker. I think the best thinker I've ever known in my lifetime. He said this about relationships. Our relationship with each other is the criteria the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. This last sentence. Christian community is the final apologetic. Not intellectual apologetics, not doctrinal apologetics, which most people think apologetic. You must have your doctrine in line, which is true. The Pharisees had their doctrines in line. Sadducees had most of their doctrines in line. They had a few funny ones. When Jesus came along, he says, you know, by the way, you guys missed the boat. 
not the letter of the law I'm after. It's not dotting every I and crossing every T and memorizing every law and walking in this kind of legalistic relationship to apologetics that makes you right but makes you empty. She says, I'm not after that. Christ was the epitome of love. Everything about Christ was love. Everything about Christ was relationship. Everything about the way he trained was relationship. Christ broke the rules of that day. He spent time with the wrong people. He chose guys that were not those that were the most intellectual. He chose people that were connected to him heart to heart. Our final apologetic will be relationships. The 21st century, what I call the disconnect epidemic. A disconnect would read like this. When a life is divided, separated, disunited, implies a previous connection, which has been lost, fragmented, split, having the unity destroyed, becoming incomplete and isolated. You know what I mean. If you've had a relationship with a friend, with a spouse, with a boss, with a working buddy, with a spiritual leader, with somebody in your life that was connected to you. But now it's a disconnect. It's fragmented. It's lonely. It's isolated. It's disunited. It's lost. It's lost. Like sometimes when you're using your cell phone and you're talking, but there's no one there, and then your phone says, call was lost. And all this time, you've been talking, but there was no connection. So it is in life. Call was lost. All your words were lost. You thought you were really laying yourself out. And you weren't even connected. And then finally someone says, oh, excuse me, excuse me. I hate to tell you this, but you're not connected. There ain't nobody on the other end. You're talking to yourself. Loneliness is one of the epidemics that has been identified in America. Bowling Alone. How many here have ever read the book or heard of the book Bowling Alone? I know it's not the kind of book you walk into Barnes and Noble and says, I want Bowling Alone. It's not something maybe on your mind, but this book is absolutely fascinating. Bowling Alone is written by a Harvard professor, Robert Putnam. Name that because more people in America, he stumbled onto it and he started researching it. More people in American history are bowling alone than ever in history. They're not bowling in leagues. They're not bowling in groups. They're bowling alone. The book represents the largest study conducted on the subject of loneliness and community. Conclusion of the whole book. This is the conclusion. For the past 25 years, American society has experienced a steady decline of what sociologists call social capital, a sense of connectedness and community has been severely lost. The level of community in America is at its lowest point. George Gallup Pohl said, concluded in his studies and confirmed the other studies that the Americans are among the most loneliest people 
and the world. And the world. In one of our membership classes, we just happened to mention loneliness is a byproduct of something we're dealing with and dealing with relationships and small groups. And how many people in the class have have dealt with loneliness? Almost every hand goes up. Okay, that's not a problem. Sometime in our life we do that. How many in the class are dealing with loneliness right now? About 80% lifted their hands. I said, you misunderstood. I'm talking about isolation, fragmentation, disconnect, no relationship by yourself, and a distinct feeling of I am alone and I feel lonely. How many hands? About 80%. I was staggered by that. But then I realized what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with a culture who does not build into people relationship connection, a culture that does not build longevity with family, a culture that does not build longevity with friends, a culture that has a great amount of isolation and fragmentation in it, and people who happen to move to another city or dislocate themselves from a family or friend, the few they might have, they get to the place where they don't know how to bowl with anybody else. So they start bowling alone, life alone. They start doing everything alone. Go out to dinner alone. Go out to coffee alone. Go out to a movie alone. Sit there by yourself in your own row with nobody else there. And if somebody comes and sits in your row, you move to a different row. Because that's a little, that's crowding you a little bit. You want to do life alone. You don't really know how or want to connect, which is not what God wants for your life. One of the vital connections in life is to connect relationally. There's a website on loneliness. And I'm pulling up some people who put their names on the web. I don't need to read their names. But the question was, how do you define loneliness? This is on the website. I'll read them line by line, different people. One person said, an inner worm that gnaws at my heart all the time. Now, what, what would move me as a, as a parent, as a pastor as a person who is a social, outgoing, friendship, relational kind of guy, that's me. I have to have a lot of social capital and relationship. That's just the way I'm built. If it was my daughter or my son or my wife or my father, my mother, if it was someone I really, really do have love for and supposed to, and they put that on a website, loneliness is like a worm that just gnaws at my heart all the time. But that would just crush me. I'd be driving over there. I'd be calling. I'd be doing anything I can. How about this one? Wanting a friend without even knowing what a friend is even like because I haven't had one. Being in a place or situation and yet totally detached from everyone around you. This huge gnawing space inside of me, crying out for someone to recognize me. Loneliness is like a boat that longs for the ocean, and yet it's too afraid to launch, reluctant, ashamed, anxious to venture out, but won't dare do it. Loneliness is being with the person, and even with, when you're with them, you're alone. Loneliness is the ultimate form of poverty, I feel broke all the time. Quietness is so overwhelming. 
that you'll do anything to end the silence or at least pretend it doesn't exist. Anything to surround yourself, to comfort yourself, to be included in something or to have people include you would be a feeling that I don't have. I want to be loved and protected and held. I would like someone to soothe me to sleep. Just hold me. The cutting absence of comfort. Loneliness for me is a living death. Loneliness comes on all different levels and sizes of people. I watch in our congregation as, as a pastor for all campuses because I visit all campuses, speak at all campuses, go to the foyer on all campuses, and meet people on all campuses. And I work at it. One of the things that would grieve me, just as the way I'm made, the way I'm made, is when I watch a new person, or a person that's been here for a while because I recognize them, come into the church, sit by themselves, go to the foyer, stand by themselves, nervously look around in the foyer because no one's talking with them. Everyone's grouped with their friends. And then simply smiling and slipping out the door because they're a little embarrassed that they don't know how to connect. No one's connecting to them. And they're certainly out of step. I watched a young lady just a while back, and I saw her twice visit our church. Beautiful young lady, looked like a young professional type woman. So the second time, I saw her do the same thing. So I'm watching from afar. So I slipped right over to her and said, hey, hello, I'm Pastor Frank, and you're? She told me, I said, great. I said, I would bet that you're pretty new, huh? She had only been here twice. I said, awesome. And I said, by the way you're acting, I bet you just moved into the city, haven't you? Because, yeah, how did you know? I just can tell. You just seem totally disconnected. She says, I am. I live downtown. I, I moved from Eastern Oregon. I live by myself. I don't have a car. I don't have a friend. Everybody in the job's new. I just found this campus, and I haven't met anybody, and I've been here twice. And I said, I said, would you like to meet somebody? She goes, I'd love to meet somebody. I said, just stand right here. I walked off, grabbed somebody her age, brought a young lady over, Stuck her right in front. And I said, see this girl right here? Introduce yourself. No, 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 no. Great. Today, you're taking her to dinner. I said, put it on your visa and pay it in two years if you have to. <laughs> but you are going to take her to dinner. And you're going to grab a couple other young adults. And you're going to take them with you. And by the time it's over, you're going to have a ride set up for her coming to church. You're going to have her in a small group. You're going to have her cell number, her email. You're going to go down and visit her at her job. This girl started bawling right on the spot. The bawling right on the spot. So the other girl immediately just took her in and Hey, I'm here for you. I love you. I don't know you, but you know what? I'm going to do what Pastor Frank said. We're going to get to know each other. This young girl, if it was your daughter, you would hope someone 
would do that to her. Come on. If it was your sister, and you're calling from out of town, hey, have you found any friends yet? I've been to this one friendliest church on earth. (laughs) Has anyone talked to you? Not one saint. (laughs) But not us. We're better than that. We know better than that. We are better than that. We are going to pay attention to the people around us. We are going to break out of our little circle. We are going to actually make it uncomfortable and invite the other person to lunch with us. Even though I just want to connect with my closest and deepest friends, I'm going to grab this person and bring them into my circle. And then I'm going to learn how to love them. I'm going to learn how to speak with them. I'm going to learn how to do something with them. I had another couple come up after the service whom I don't know last night. And they were actually trying to slip out the door. And I caught them right before they went out. And so I just said to them, just kind of going in the Holy Ghost, I just said, you are the loneliest people on earth. Your marriage is not working well. You came here to get help. And now you're leaving early. And you've got some bad habits you're trying to break. Cross my fingers. Hope I'm right. And I was. She started bawling her eyes out. And then he said to me, I don't go to church. I said, you're here tonight. He says, I need help. I said, what's the problem? He says, I'm alcoholic. Our marriage is on the rocks. I'm a horrible man. She starts sobbing. (laughs) Right there in the door. But they're on their way out. With all that stuff right here. Right here. So I stopped him at the door. We had a prayer meeting right there. They both stopped, both repented. I connected him to another drunk in our church. Used to be a drunk. And so I connected him. (laughs) You know what I mean? This person knew exactly what this guy was going through. And man, he, he got right on it too. Connection, relationally, is not hard, but you have to be aware of it. If everyone that I'm speaking to on every campus right now, if you would just do the smallest little thing to reach out, I I tell you right now, Most of the people you reach out to are love-starved people. They don't have, their cup's not full. Most people would love to have someone affirm them, pour into them, pay attention to them, ask them a question. How are you really doing? I'm fine. No! How are you really doing? Well, Not so good. How? Not so good. Not real good. Tell me. You got to pull them out a little bit. So they don't just kind of pull the wool over your eyes. That's what sheep do. Wool over your eyes. That's what sheep do. You have to start reaching and develop relationships. 
Loneliness is what? Being without company, cut off from others, sad from being alone, producing a feeling of bleakness and desolation. That's what loneliness is. You know anybody like that? Sure you do. Have you ever gone through that? Probably somewhere in your life, maybe. Oh, by the way, how many here have ever been just flat out on the bottom, stinking lonely? How many have had that happen more than once? How many thank God someone reached out to your life? Yeah. You don't have to be a professor of apologetics or teach Hebrew linguistics in a seminary to love someone. It's got to reach. Draw your circle a little bigger. So simple. I know I'm running out, but here's my last three points to put on. You need to have this before I end, okay? Write these down. Write these down. There are three levels of relationship. Surface, beyond the surface, and going deeper. These three little phrases take in a world of definitions. All of us deal with them. Surface relationships or acquaintances, those that you know, kind of know, maybe you don't even know their name. You might have 500 to 2,000 of them in a year that you meet them at a Starbucks or you know the newspaper person delivers paper. Hey, how are you doing? You know, there's an acquaintance and it's a, it's a surface relationship. They don't know your name. They don't know how many children you have. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know if you have a disease. They don't know if you've been through a divorce. They don't know anything about you. But it's just kind of a happy, hey, 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 yeah, how, how you doing? Hey, 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 hey. What's your name? Hey, I don't know what your name is. Surface. Then there's below the surface, you'll have about 20 to 100 if you're very blessed. Those are the people that you do know their name. They know your name. You know where they work. You would talk with them. You do dinner with them once in a while, lunch, breakfast, coffee, something. You have some common strands in the relationship. And then there's the going deep people. You only have one to seven of those people in your lifetime. If you're blessed. Many people live their whole life and have zero at level three. The going deeper people are those that you open up to. Those are the people that if you were tempted at your job with going into an affair with somebody on the job and they were tempting you and you knew you were wrong and it was starting and your emotions were kind of sliding over, you would pick up the phone and say, hey, you've got to come see me and pray with me. I don't know what is wrong with me. I am so stupid. My emotions are out of whack. I've allowed myself to get entwined with this guy. And you know what? Or this gal, you know, gal guy thing. And so I need help. A friend on that level would say, be right over, or, hey, let's meet. There's no embarrassment. It's total openness. Total openness. Vulnerability. Love deep. Know deep. Go deep. Open deep. Pray deep. Whatever's going on in your life, those are the people you go to. How many of those do you have? Bow your head.
Father God, right now I pray there will be a relationship connection to the people in our congregation. Lord, you would connect people that are lonely. You would connect people that are disconnected. Connect people that are having a hard time finding any friends at all. Those that are new, those that are old. Lord, I pray there would be a larger circle drawn in the hearts of City Bible Church today, right now, in Jesus' name.